coming up next on Thriving in Recovery. When I was really in sobriety, I always had a plan B. And I still do have a plan B, by the way. Always have a plan B. If I know that I'm going into a situation, like if I'm going to girls' night, and I know it's going to be a bunch of booze, I would plan it, figure, find out when the meeting was right after that, or when I could pull out of the party and go to a meeting, right? Um, that was early in sobriety. I was really, really clear on, okay, we're going to go out on a Wednesday. What meetings are on Wednesday? What's the closest one to where we're going? And then I would say, okay, that's great, but I have a meeting at seven. So I'll meet you guys at five or six o'clock and I'll stick around, have a, you know, club soda and then I'm gone, right? Um, people, sometimes people like to push drinks on you. Um, so I always have like a club soda and a lime and nobody seems to, then nobody questions it. Um, but I also think it's a little bit like that whole peer pressure thing, right? When you tell somebody I don't drink. Versus I'm not drinking right now, right? It's a different conversation, right? It's a different different thing. You have to own what you are. And that's true for anything in life. You have to own who you are. You know, I'm an alcoholic. I'm okay with that. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving in Recovery podcast, where we are dedicated to sharing stories of recovered and thriving individuals to empower others on their own path of recovery. I'm your host, Justin Harris. My normal co-host is Bryce Gibbons. Today, it's Robbie Mitchell, his partner at Elevate Recovery Homes. Our guest today is my good friend, Sherry Mulhaney. Sherry battled through her addiction with alcohol and is now living a great life with 16 years of sobriety and counting. She worked hard to become a top producing real estate agent in Wasilla, Alaska, before moving to Mexico just a few short years ago. She's a killer mom and loves to help other people find their path to living a sober lifestyle. One of the things I love the most about Sherry is her unapologetic honesty. What you see is what you get with her and you always know what is on her mind. We hope you enjoy this deep dive into a life well-lived in recovery. All right, here we go. This is Justin Harris coming at you from Anchorage, Alaska with another episode of the Thriving in Recovery podcast. I am with Robbie today, who is Bryce's partner at Elevate Recovery Homes. I'll kick it over to you, Robbie. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. Um, we're here in Denver, Colorado, and we got a lovely guest this evening. And you, she says it's Naked Friday, but you can't see her because this is a podcast, but uh, she's <laughs> definitely not naked. So Sherry now, Mulhaney. Hi. Yes, I'm Sherry Mulhaney. I'm from Alaska. I currently reside in uh, La Cruz de Guanacaste, Mexico. Nice. Yeah. And you're going to share with... What's that? Thriving. Thriving. That's right. You are thriving. And so you want to share with us your kind of your backstory with the addiction piece, and then we'll get into how you're thriving today through all Absolutely. that. Um, you know, I don't have a sad story. My story's not like one of those, you know, I grew up with, you know, parents that beat me or drunk at drug addict parents or anything like that. I mean, I literally grew up with a proverbial silver spoon in my mouth and I, um, you know, I lived a life that was what every kid would dream of. And somehow, some way along the way at 11 years old, you know, I mean, my family always partied, right? They were partiers and it was that social drinking that you see and the conviviality that we talk about, you know, that we always try to capture. Um, my conviviality just didn't quite look like that. The first time I ever got drunk, I was 11 years old and I threw up all over the house and, you know, drank a bottle of cheap vodka with friends. And, um, and it kind of just went downhill from there, really. Um, you know, I had a lot of good times in my, in my drinking days. Um, but I've had a lot of rough times too. You know, I, um, a couple DUIs was, I was in jail, um, which was really insulting. You know, I thought, how dare they. Right. And, um, you know, I met a lot of really poor choices, you know, I mean, I've, you know, 
when you party like I party and you're a girl and you get yourself in situations that are really unfortunate, you know, very dangerous situations, abusive situations, um, you know, from laying in a ditch to being raped to whatever. And I just, you know, chalked it up as part of the party. You know, it's just, if you, if you roll like I rolled, things were going to happen. Um, but God forbid if you quit rolling. Right. And so, um, you know, that's just kind of the way it was. And I did that from really kind of hard crying, big goals, big dreams. You know, I wanted to go to the Olympics and swimming and I ended up getting drunk instead, you know, and never quite made it, made it there, you know, and um, it's just kind of funny how, you know, alcohol is a great taker of things, you know, and I did dabble in a little bit of drugs. Um, like I was telling you guys, I really tried to try to do a lot of blow. I mean, I gave it hell. I just gave it everything I had for like six months. And I'm just like, I just don't like it, you know, and really the truth was it messed with my drunk, right? People say they do cocaine or whatever because they can drink more. For me, it just made me mad because I couldn't get to where I wanted to go. And I'm not exactly sure where that was, but it was far and it was fast. And, um, you know, it's just kind of how I did it. And, uh, you know, I lived in Arizona for about six and a half years where it was really, really bad. I was drinking four or five nights a week, um, came back to Alaska, um, slowed down quite a bit, um, still partied hard on the weekends and um, ended up getting married and having kids. And before you knew it, you know, I was back in the bottle. I wasn't a good wife. I was unfaithful. I drank. Um, I did bad things and um, bad things happen. I blew up two marriages and uh, you think that would be enough, but it wasn't. And, uh, you know, I ended up literally one day waking up in a ditch and I was taught, or not waking up, but I was tossed into a ditch, moved back to the hotel room, um, bleeding, busted up, crying, snot coming out my nose, just super glamorous. Right. And um, I remember just saying, if I don't do something different today, it's, it's, it's never going to change. It's going to be like Groundhog Day. And it certainly wasn't the worst night I've ever had. I mean, I've had a thousand nights like that. You know what I mean? Um, but it was the night that I, I realized I've got kids. And I, I you know, I made a, I called my ex-husband. I said, if I don't quit drinking, take the kids. They're not going to be safe with me. I had to build a barrier for myself. I somehow had to box myself in where I didn't have a choice but to do something. Um, you know, I called my best friend that I hadn't talked to in six months because she just said, I can't watch you kill yourself anymore. Um, and I talked to my dad. And uh, the next day I went to my, my first uh, 12 step meeting and um, I cried through the whole thing. You know, I just cried through the whole thing. And I was just like, God, man, what a bunch of losers, you know, in here. And I just couldn't believe that I had just lowered myself to the standard. Right. And the reality was I was just one of the losers or they were one of the winners and I was a loser. I mean, it, you know, when you look back on that moment for me, it was just a life changing thing, right? Like they weren't losers. They were winning you know, and it was just, um, I remember thinking my life was never, I was never going to have fun again. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to have a kid's birthday party. If I wasn't, you know, we didn't have a keg of beer. I didn't know how to camp. I didn't know how to vacation or go to the beach or, you know, anything. I didn't even know how to take a bath anymore without a bottle of wine. Like I didn't know how to do anything anymore without drinking. And, um, it was scary making that change. So 11, when you took your first drink, that it's sobering for me. I've got a 14 year old as my youngest at home and she still wants to believe in Santa Claus. And hey, so I just can't imagine like Aaliyah drinking a bottle of vodka. It just is, that's crazy to me how, how old you were then. Yeah. And how old were you when you found AA? Um, I got sober when I was 37. 37. So I, so yeah. 26 so year run. Those fun nights of showing tattoos and running around and doing all the things that you think are sexy at 20 were not nearly as attractive at 37. No doubt. And, and, and you're older than that now, I would assume. 
Just a little bit. Yeah, I actually just celebrated 16 years of sobriety. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's kind of surreal. You know, I, I don't really, truly, you know, they, they talk about how when you, when you get sober, how you, you know, your life changes, right? Or you have to change everything and then you, you get a change life, right? And I had to change a lot of things for sure. You know, I lived on the backs of others. I had a beautiful home, fancy cars, perfect kids, you know, designer clothes, all the things, but I didn't pay for it. Right? Like I was constantly borrowing money from my parents and, and, you know, and I remember when I first got sober, it wasn't when I first got, but six months in, my sponsor said to me, where are you getting all your money from? And I just started in real estate. So I was making some money, but certainly not enough to live the life. And I, you know, now I'm divorced. And um, I said, well, my parents give me money. She's like, you need to be self-supporting through your own contributions. And I remember looking at her like she had 12 heads thinking, no, 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 you don't understand the dynamic of my family. They give me money and I spend it. She's like, not anymore. And I was like, oh my God. And so it became where like for work, right? Failure was not an option. And I got to kind of redirect that. And I've never forgotten that. Or when I go into a meeting and somebody says, button up your shirt. This is where we come to change, not where we come to be the same. And I was appalled, right? Offended, highly offended. You know, but I, I, sobriety for me was how to grow up, right? I got to learn how to be a mom in sobriety. Um, you know, I got to learn how to, how to clean up my mistakes, you know, and that's not fun, right? I mean, there's nothing fun about it, but I tell you what, when I, I got working through steps and doing the thing, it was an opportunity for me. And I, I never really looked back for me personally, being labeled an alcoholic was a blessing because I thought I was crazy. I thought there was something mentally wrong with me for years. I was in therapy and therapy and therapy and therapy for years. I was in therapy, antidepressants, all the things, right? And I, I don't have an opinion on that one way or the other. I still like my couch time, right? I love it. I love going and, and having a, a moment to talk about myself because if I'm talking to my sponsor, she's going to find out what my part was, right? So sometimes I like to go and just kind of kick it with a counselor and chat, you know, but um, so I don't, I don't care. I mean, that's great. Whatever works for you. But the reality of it is, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not accountable to what I do, then I can't grow and become something different. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And it's not always comfortable. I don't always love being in recovery. I don't always love sponsoring women. I don't always love having to call a sponsor. I don't, I don't, I get annoyed as hell. I was on the phone two hours this morning with sponsees. Two hours. Who does that? That's before I even, you know, like, right? I know. And so, but the beautiful thing is I get to be here with you today, right? I get to like share the message because sometimes when we get sober, people think that there's this pink cloud that we just could ride on forever. And that's not the case. We Bad things happen. Shitty things happen, you know, and we get to learn how to ride those waves and, and recover from them. You know, I'll tell you, moving to Mexico was not easy. I thought it was going to be easy. It wasn't easy. It was incredibly challenging. I cried every single day for four months, you know, and then I was pissed off for the next four months, right? They're not doing it right. They don't know how to do it. Look at the potholes. Why aren't they, you know, it was just making me crazy. And, and then people were like, why don't you just move home? And I said, what? No, I'm fine. Give me a year. I'm going to be fine. Cause I know that as soon as I pull my head out of my proverbial rear end, right? Things are going to get good again. I know how to do that because I have the tools and, and how to do that. Right. But I can't do any of that. Right. The whole point of working a 12 step recovery is to get in touch with the higher power, greater yourself. Right. So then you can start living a life, right. That you never dreamed of, you know? Absolutely. You talk about those tools. Do you want to share with us what some of those tools are that you use on a daily basis to maintain your recovery? Uh, you know, a lot of it's pause when agitated because I have a very high strung personality and I get agitated a lot. 
lot. I'm very impatient and intolerant, to be totally honest. So, you know, pausing when agitated, prayer and meditation, you know, regrouping, set my attentions for the day. What do I want to accomplish today and how do I want to be? Um, you know, and I, I'll tell you, when I say that I pray for God's will, right, and the power to carry that out, um, when I talk about God, right, like I literally could care less what you pray to. I don't care. I do not care what you pray to. My God, I don't even have a face on my God. I just use God because it's in the book. It's easy, right? Um, so, you know, for everyone's listening, don't get caught up on the God thing. It, it's not a thing, right? It's just find something that's bigger than you are that you can count on, right? Like uh, I have a buddy named JJ and he's amazing. And he used to say, you know, he said, I always believe in God. He just wasn't invited to the party, you know, right? And so, and, and that was kind of me, right? I had another friend that said, you know, it, it was the last house in the last block. And I'm like, we have a lot of houses. You don't know my family, right? Like I was super literal. I was at the very beginning. And then one day I didn't want to do this anymore. Like I didn't want to do the tools. I don't want to be accountable some days. Some days I'm like, ah, how great would it be just to grab it, you know, three bottles of wine and just, you know, peace out and not worry about the responsibilities, right? That's a fleeting moment. It's not a real moment. You know, I'm not genuinely thinking I want to do that. But people get away with murder. And it's like, sometimes I just, I'm like, seriously, like, really? Sure, I'll go apologize. No problem, you know? And I get to be accountable for my actions. If I do something and screw it up, I'll tell you what, I don't get to, I don't, I don't get to sit in that anymore. It's really uncomfortable. And so, yeah, you know, the, the, the tools that we have are, you know, integrity, honesty, they're just the basic human principles that we get to put into action through some of the things we say, you know, easy does it, pray and meditate, you know, pause when agitated. I think things are getting heated. I need to take a moment. Like who says that, right? So sometimes I have more amends than I do pause, but that's okay. That's okay. At least you're self-aware of, I think the biggest thing is being able to be self-aware of those things when they come up inside of us and being able to address them and be able to move forward and make that amends, even when we don't want to, right? But it's for us, not for them. 100%. 100%. And sometimes it is for us or for them, right? Sometimes we're rude or sometimes we're mean and sometimes they deserve that, right? Like I talk to people sometimes so bad that nobody deserves to be talked to like that. Nobody. And I have to own that. And I get to say, you know what? It was very selfish and self-centered of me to speak to you that way. And nobody deserves to be treated like that. You're a human being. And I am terribly sorry. Is there anything I can do to make it right? Right? Because if I'm not doing all of that, then I'm not owning it. It's just another one of those drunk, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Right? It can't be those anymore. Because they don't, honestly, those don't hurt bad enough. I grew up the rate of pain and discomfort. You know? Well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Yeah. As, you, as you lift list off these tools, pausing when agitated and setting intentions, daily prayer, meditating, those I mean, those sound like great tools for just a great life, whether you're in recovery or or not. I you know, I always kind of joke around that said if I woke up tomorrow and somebody told me you're not an alcoholic, go go forth and, and go do your thing, I don't think I would tell anyone. Like I really I don't think that I I don't think I could do this life without the actions of recovery. I really don't. 
you know, I, people, you know, sometimes think having a sponsor is like, um, you know, somebody checking in on your tattletaling because you have to call him or should call him or whatever, right? You can call it which one. I have to call my sponsor a couple of days a week. I made her that commitment. Therefore, I must, right? And um, for me, it's about being accountable to somebody. You know, like we live in a world, you guys, where we have coaches, business coaches, and we have sports coaches, and we have all this stuff, right? I have someone that I'm accountable to, right? I get to call and tell him, like, guess what Sherry did? If you don't know me, but if you knew me, you'd know what Sherry did. And so Sherry gets to call and, and own it, right? Like, hey, sponsors, she's like, how's that, you know, how's that working out for you? Well, not very well. You know, when are you going to learn, right? When are you going to turn that part of your life over to God, right? Oh, I don't know. That part's kind of fun. You know, it hurts a little, but it's kind of fun. And so we get to work through all that stuff and find out what the character defects are, right? Because when we know better, we do better, right? If I know what's broken inside of me, then I can fix it. When I learned I was an alcoholic, they gave me tools, right? And so, you know, it's when we know better, we do better. If somebody says, button up your shirt, that's inappropriate. Now I know better, right? Don't scream at your children. You're bigger than them. They're always, you're always going to win. Talk softly. They love you, right? Then I get to learn. Your boys are pretty big. Huh? Your boys are pretty big. I know, but you know, there was a time they weren't, right? And I used to scream at them at the top of my lungs. I used to throw things and break stuff. I was just a tyrant, a tyrant. And they would look at me with these eyes and these tears in their eyes. And, and I was just stripping away their, their security in our home. You know, and it makes me cry because it was so bad. And it took me months in the sobriety, months and months, probably maybe even a year or two years before one day my kids said, I said to him, I said, there's dad yelled at us and they were probably, I don't know, six and eight. And uh, they were at a basketball game and their dad was kind of a jack wagon and yelling at him. And he, he was like, dad always yells at us. And I said, well, you know, mom yells all the time. And they stopped and they said, you don't yell anymore, mommy. You talk about God in your life. You talk about something that used to cripple me. I would curl up in a ball and cry because I couldn't believe the way I just spoke to my kids. And I hadn't done it in so long and I didn't even notice, right? I was changing every day. Spirituality was creeping in. God was creeping in. And I didn't even know it. I was taking simple actions, simple steps, showing up to meetings on time, doing my jobs at meetings. I was a cake lady, baking a cake and making sure I took pride in my job, right? I was coming to meetings and spending time with people before the meetings and hanging out after the meeting. I was, you know, putting my hand out to the newcomer, even when I didn't want to, you know? And those, those actions, those, I used to, my sponsor always said, if you want self-esteem, do steamable actions, right? And I started taking esteemable actions by buttoning up my shirt. I was talking to people that I would normally not talk to, right? I was showing up as a human being to another human being and reaching my hand out and telling them it's going to be okay. Cause you know what? I was broken when I got here too. And I'm better now, not fixed, but I'm better, you know? Are you still attending AA meetings? Uh, yep. I go twice a week to my home group and usually one other one. Good for you. Yep. And it sounds like you sponsor quite a few people. I do. Yeah. I'm international now. International. <laughs> how many, how many people are you sponsoring? Um, I work with about five women right now. And are they all local to you there? or did uh, the last you know, I've or? got one in Canada, one in Colorado and three in Mexico. Yeah. Nice. And you, 
and you still have a sponsor. Is it the, have you had the same sponsor over 16 years? Uh, or has it been no, a no. I had uh, one for a little while who's still a dear, dear friend of mine. And then I had one for 10 years. And this last one I've had for about four. So yeah, but we're all, you know, all just all friends, you know, I think that um, sometimes you quit hearing the people that you're with, you know, and uh, when you quit hearing somebody, it's really important. One thing about sponsorship, I think that's so important is that we don't own our sponsors. We don't, we don't have the rights to them, right? The only right we have is to help them grow to wherever they need to go, you know? And, and I think that for me, sometimes uh, we grow differently. We, we come to a different place and we need a different kind of direction and a different kind of conversation. Um, and I think that that's okay. And sometimes people really get their claws in and, and they, they have a tendency to say, oh, I've got 12, I've got 20, I've got seven, right? Like who cares? you have one or none are you showing up at meetings are you doing the work like like they're not badges of honor for god's sake they're human beings trying to get healthy you know um and so sponsorship is incredibly important though i mean i think that it's i couldn't have done it without sponsorship i couldn't have done it i couldn't have done it on with something on either end there's been times that i've wanted to throw in the towel and give up on on recovery, on programs, going to meetings, getting calls i'm just so frustrated it's exhausting and i and sometimes i don't care that you did that. I don't care. I don't care. Sorry. Just God, you know? And then the reality is we talk it through, we get to work through it. Right. And then I hang up. I feel better. They feel better. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, if I don't want to do this anymore, what am I going to tell them? It's okay for me not to do it, but you should really be here. Right. <laughs> how, how is that even an example? I went to a, um, we have this every five years. We have a, a national convention a has a national convention and i know i'm not supposed to say AA on press radio films but um oops. um but uh i went and there was this group of old timers and they were like they had 50 years of sobriety or more you guys 50 years or more and there was this whole roped off section they were treated like royalty and i remember this old guy getting up there and he had these suspenders on and this big old belly and he was just old guy and he was chatting away you know talking about it and uh it dawned on me i'm like this is forever like this commitment I've made to recovery, this commitment I made to this program is forever. Because when I walk away from this program, I'm saying that I've got this. And the reality of it is I have the disease of alcoholism and I will never get this. Talks about in our book, we will never grow new legs, right? I am what I am. They, they, they fondly say that once you're a cucumber, once pickled, will never be a cucumber again, right? I'm a pickle. I'm never going to be a cucumber again. And, uh, and that's okay with me because I have a, I have a life that I get to um, live. That's beautiful. Not always easy, but I'll tell you one thing. It's as easy as I make it or as hard as I make it. And the thing about the program of recovery is that I, I know that there's a better tomorrow, even if it's not today. There's my favorite saying. I have this um, gal. She, I used to speak at one of our women's conferences and I'm paraphrasing, but basically it said something like you're going to trade today for something. May tomorrow you wake up and look back on today and know that it was traded for something good. I can't do that if I'm drunk. I can't do that if I'm hungover and I can't do that if I'm screaming at my kids. And I certainly can't make a living and be a great provider, which I will tell you I have been. I've been a killer mom in recovery. My kids, here's the other cool thing about recovery is that the kids completely, totally hear you. They see, they watch, right? I remember when my oldest, Wyatt, you know, I, he got in a little bit of trouble. Wasn't anything too dramatic, but you know, it wasn't great. And I was going to rip his head off. Right. And the principal said, you should be so proud of him. And I said, for what? 
He goes, he was honest. He came clean the minute I asked him. He didn't even have to tell me the truth. We didn't even have any proof. And that kid was honest. And he came home and he said, mom, you just told me that I had to own my side of the street. I think that's not my words. Those are the words that I learned in recovery. You know, my kids don't lie. I know everything. People are like, you don't know. I'm like, oh, I know. Because they're not afraid to tell me. And when they ask me questions, I answer them honestly. And when it gets uncomfortable, I say, please quit asking questions. Because I don't necessarily want to answer them all. But I do. They've asked me if I've done drugs. They've asked me what I've done, where I've been, what happened. You know, why their dad and I broke up. And I, I get to I get to be honest and I get to tell them that it wasn't right, you know, and they get to see me lead by example. They they I send them stupid stuff all the time. It's not stupid, right? It's motivational things and memes and all this stuff. And and they read them. Oh god, you know. But you know the reality. It sucks being out there and it sucks not knowing what sobriety looks like. It's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. I didn't know if I was going to be funny, if I was going to have friends, if I was going to have money. I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything that was going to happen in sobriety. I didn't know who I was going to be and how I was going to function and how in the hell I was going to show up in this world. And it's just one day at a time you grow, right? And the, and the more that I get um, that spirituality and that peace within me, the more that I get to be who I am. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes I'm not that pleasant. I mean, really, most of the time I am. Most of the time I am. And when I'm not, I get to clean it up. Yeah, we all all certainly have our moments. And not only have you been a killer mom over all these years, but you've also been a killer friend. I um, had had Nicole Tusignac call you when she wanted help. And Nicole, somebody I'd known for a long time, I hired her back in the early 2000s to be our front desk receptionist. And she ended up becoming a a great loan officer and was doing great things. But man, when that girl drunk, when she would drink, she would turn into somebody else. And she ended up rolling her car and, and getting into a a big mess of trouble. And, and she asked for help and I gave her your phone number and she called you up and I, she's coming up on four years of sobriety. She's in the three and a half range and she is a completely different woman. So thank Mm -hmm. you for helping my friend. And I know she's your friend now too. I love her. I took her to her first meeting and she gave me COVID. (laughs) Sounds like a good trade. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's amazing. She's amazing. She does know that you're saying her name on here, right? I'll tell her. I'll text her and let her know. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's great. And that's what it's all about, right? Like I've never been one to keep my sobriety quiet. Like I've never been. I remember when I first got sober, somebody said to me, are you going to do all the 12 steps? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I think so. I'm like, I think you have to, like, I totally had no idea. Right. I'm like, pretty sure you're supposed to. And uh, it was just so funny. And, you know, because you don't know, right? You don't know what you're getting into. You're just signing up this blind life, this blind pathway of trust, right? They look happy. They look healthy. You know, and people are like, hey, it's a cult. Well, yeah, it's a cult. So is being a sports fanatic. So is being anything that you're completely passionate over the top and into, right? I'm sorry, but if you met some of the sensey people, could be a cult. I'm just saying, right? I mean, no. anything you do with passion and commitment, and there's a bunch of you doing it, sure. Okay, whatever. Whatever. I'm good with that. Sign me up. Sign me up. So I was just thinking, sign me up for that. If it's, if, yeah. it, it's, if it helps right? you. Exactly. If it helps you be glad, be glad about your trade tomorrow that you made today, then yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah. yeah. So Definitely in that recovery cult. 
You what? Definitely in that recovery cult. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? I mean, so what? And here's the thing. I remember when I first go, went to meetings, I had a, I just started in real estate. You know, I was pretty new. And um, and I had the signs on my, the uh, metal, the, whatever, the magnetic signs on my car. And I would stop by the Brown Jug Liquor Store because the meeting I went to was behind the Brown Jug Liquor Store. And I would pull the signs off and put them in my trunk so nobody knew who I was. And then I would go to the meeting. And I remember I was at a different meeting one time and this woman came down the stairs and it was somebody in real estate that I admired. Oh my gosh, I thought she was incredible, right? And it was her. And I'm like, you're an alcoholic? Like, wow, right? Because she emulated class and style and success and all these things, right? And I I thought if she could be an alcoholic, well, then then I'm okay. And I remember being in the green line one time in a meeting and my friend, well, I didn't even know she was my, I mean, she was my friend from the kids. Our kids went to school together. She came through the line and I looked at her and I, she looked at me and she said, I knew there was a reason why I liked you, right? I mean, she was a mom at the school who I loved, right? And I respected and admired her. She was a great mom. And so it took me a minute, right? But I was embarrassed to be an alcoholic at, at first. And Shana actually said to me, she goes, embarrassed? Did you see yourself last weekend? <laughs> That's right. You know, you've known Shana since way back in the, in the she, day. She stuck by me through my drinking days. The end and the end was not pretty. The end was not pretty. I remember waking up under my desk at the office we used to work in and, oh yeah, you know, and what I discovered was that people don't really drink as much as you think they do. When you're the pusher and you're the partier and you're the one that's creating the party, it, lots of people don't drink. And even more people don't drink that much. And I didn't even know that. Like, I literally did not know that. I just had to stop for a minute to pay attention. Yeah, I think we all get caught up in our our, our own little world. What, yeah. what kind of challenges, if any, do you run in today with, with um, alcohol? Um, I don't. I don't run into challenges. Um, I get a little bit annoyed. Um, I will say my family still drinks pretty heavily. Um so that's frustrating, you know, to watch that, to be in there, especially when I go and I stay with them for days on end, you know, it's five o'clock and they're having cocktails and just depending on the situation, you know, but I've, I've learned to create, um, when I was early in sobriety, I always had a plan B and I still do have a plan B, by the way, always have a plan B. If I know that I'm going into a situation, like if I'm going to girls night and I know it's going to be a bunch of booze, I would plan it, figure, find out when the meeting was right after that, or when I could pull out of the party and go to a meeting. Right. Um, that was really in sobriety. It was really, really clear on, okay, we're going to go out on a Wednesday. What meetings are on Wednesday? What's the closest one to where we're going? And then I would say, okay, that's great, but I have a meeting at seven. So I'll meet you guys at five or six o'clock and I'll stick around, have a, you know, club soda and then I'm gone. Right. Um, people, sometimes people like to push drinks on you. Um, so I always have like a club soda and a lime and nobody seems to, then nobody questions it. Um, but I also think it's a little bit like that whole peer pressure thing, right? When you tell somebody I don't drink versus I'm not drinking right now, right? It's a different conversation, right? It's a different, different thing. You have to own what you are. And that's true for anything in life. You have to own who you are. You know, I'm an alcoholic. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with that, right? It's not so bad. (laughs) You, uh, you had said earlier that you didn't know how to have fun being sober what have you found in the last 16 years that has changed that for you 
So I will tell you that the fun is very different. It's less carefree, I think. I mean, that's just to be honest. Um, it's uh, less, it's more, more inhibited, I guess is the word. Um, I, or more, would it be inhibited? I don't know the word, but anyway, it's, I'm pay, I don't know. I, um, I'm a, I'm more of an observer. I used to be the center of the party. Um, and that's not as important to me anymore. I have to be careful sometimes that when I go out that, uh, and not so much anymore, but like at the early stages, living vicariously through other people, right? Like having six Red Bulls because I want to feel different, right? So those kinds of things, right? Is it damaging? It's probably not good for your liver and air any more than booze was. But um, so, so I've learned to accept the fact that I'm an adult and that can be just maturity too, right? Like I'm 53 now. So it's not the same. Um, but I, I remember things. I had a friend who quit drinking for a while. He goes, how do you go to Mexico and drink? And I said, if you drink like I drank, how do you go to Mexico and drink? You'll miss it all. I'll miss everything. And so is it as exciting and flashy and crazy and, and you know, shirts flying off and making out with randoms and doing drive-bys and things like that, right? No, of course not, right? Is that still fun? Yeah, I imagine it probably is like a lot of fun. And yet, that's not what 53-year-old women do in sobriety. We get to show up and we get to be women, right? And I get to have, still go dancing and I get to still have fun. And I get to, you know, I, I'm unapologetically me. I have a foul mouth, right? I show up, I'm loud, I'm all those things. But I, I now, I guess the difference is I know my audience, right? I know my audience. It used to be I didn't care about my audience, right? Today I care. And I, I care about offending people and I care about... Um, I care about those things. And yeah, I go out and have a great time. I scuba dive now and I have a great time and I do go dancing and I go dinner all the time and I walk the streets on the cruise with my dogs and I chit chat with people on the corner and I, I, you know, I travel. I've been to, you know, Paris and Malaysia and Thailand, albeit with a guy who had a wife and I didn't know. So that was like, oops, but um, that's a whole nother know, episode. Whole nother episode. But you know what I mean? And then I got to call his wife though, right? And make an amends because I didn't know. Right. Like I got to clean up my side of the street in that, you know, it's like I got to make an amends to my my kid's dad for not being a good wife. You know, we're friends today, really good friends. Actually, I could call him if I needed absolutely anything and he and his wife would help. And I watched their kid when I was living in Alaska. Right. Like it's um, life is fun. It's it's fun. I remember it. Right. I remember it. I remember do you guys remember when you used to party? Like you'd go to this killer town, right? And all you saw was the inside of a bar, right? I don't know what the inside of the bars look like. I know what the hiking trails look like and the rivers and the stores and the, the downtown squares. And I know what that looks like today. So that's fun. That's fun. Awesome. I'm, a, I'm super into the outdoors. Um, how's the outdoor life there in Mexico? Hot. It's really hot. Huh? No, it's good. I mean, it, you know, I'm not much of a camper, so um, I'm a little more of a glamper, if, if truth be told, but um, it's good. There's some hiking and there's waterfalls and you go to the beach and um, there's cool towns like I'm starting to check out like San Sebastian, where it's like this old town, like found in like the 1600s. And it's a they call it a magic town. Um, and so nothing can really be changed in it. It's super old and super cool. And yeah, it's just great. Mexico's cool. Yeah, that's all. So much more to see. Well, that's like the U.S., right? There's 32 states. 
So the question is, you know, where are you going to go and which which one are you going to see next, right? I haven't even seen that many of the U.S. states, so. And I've become a little small town too, right? Like I like my, I'm, I've always kind of been a creature habit, staying close to home, you know? So this was a big adventure for me, moving here. But I like I like knowing where my little tandy is on the corner and I like knowing, having my favorite taco joint and. Why, why'd you choose Mexico? Um, I've always wanted to be so Mexico. I'm a big dream board girl. Like I'm a big goal setter. And, um, I have always, it's always been on there. And when, um, I sold my home and I found a buyer for my business, I was supposed to move to Texas and get married with said Jack wagon. I, um, found out and I was like, Oh crap. Pivot. So I just said, I'll move to Mexico instead. And so I did that. It was about a two week decision and I rolled into Mexico and bought a house and here I am, you're, you know, a couple years later, still living the, living it. And so obviously it came with challenges, right? It wasn't super processed, you know, but I didn't have to drink over it. You know, I didn't have to drink over the fact that he, you know, took two years of my life. I mean, well, I mean, he also took me to Paris and Malaysia and Thailand. So it wasn't all bad, but you know, um, you know, there's nothing worth drinking over. There are no big deals anymore. There really aren't. There really aren't any big deals. Only Unless if you make them big. big. Yeah. Uh, yep. Only if you make them big. Only if you make them big, right? We have a thing at our, the Keller Williams, right? It's called the bold law. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Right? And that's something that we really get to practice in recovery, don't we? I mean, what a cool, cool thing we get to do. Every day. Every day. Stop whining. Don't come to me if you're going to be a whiner. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. What, what advice, Sherry? And I know it's been a long time since you've you've been just freshly on this side of sobriety. But what advice would you have for somebody that is entering sobriety and is looking to to live a big life and to still have fun and and do all um, that? That hook into the fellowship. Out? Hook into the fellowship, really. I mean, if you don't have a group that has, especially if you're young coming in, and not just young, um, find find the group that has your people in it. Um, now, some towns you can't do that. Some towns are really small and you have to take what you can get, right? And if you're desperate enough, you're going to do whatever you got to do and you'll find friendships, even with people that are unlikely friends. Um, for me, the group that I fell into was a lot of people that were, um, they were social. They went out dancing. They, they, they had dinners, they had, um, you know, um, game night at people's homes and things like that. So find a group that you can hook into the fellowship, because sometimes when it's really hard and you're white knuckling it, all you've got is your, is the fellowship at the beginning until you can get tapped into that spirituality and that higher power. Um, and that, you know, and that's why I'm a big proponent of getting through the steps as quick as you can. So you can get tapped in. Um, the whole point of the steps is to find that higher power, but until you can find that, Grab a hold of somebody, find a road dog. You know, you're going to have your sponsor that you're going to go to and she's going to keep telling you what's your part, what's your part. Find a friend that's going to hold your hand through it and, and be a little more gentle, gentle maybe than your sponsor might be. Um, that's going to say, you know what? I know it's rough. Let's go to the movies. I know it's rough. You know, Bobby's having a game night, you know, or something like that, right? Um, for me, I remember my mom, I told her all the things I had going on when I first got sober and she goes, my goodness, you don't have time to drink. They keep you so busy. Stay busy. Stay busy. When you start to think about yourself, go clean out a drawer you know, and then call somebody. My, my big thing now always is my sponsor tells me, and I don't always like this direction. You know, if you're having a tough time, whether it was a day one on sobriety or day, whatever today is right. 
go call somebody who has it worse than you do because they're, they all do. Mm. Right. Let somebody talk about themselves for a minute. Yeah. That's a quick way to ground yourself in. in And get a service position at your home group. Find something to be accountable to. What does that mean? A service position? So maybe you're the butt picker that people drop butts outside. Maybe you're, I've been the toilet cleaner. I've been the van driver for treatment centers. I drove the van for four years because you have to have a clean driving record. And when you ask a group of alcoholics who has a clean driving record the last four years, you're like me, you know, two hands, so, huh? you know, um, you're, you're the sweeper, you're the coffee maker, you're the trash picker upper, you're the greeter. You, you find something, some way to make your home group, your home mm. and, and have a home group have a home group, get a sponsor and don't lie. For God's sake, don't lie. Yes, you are going to screw up over and over and over and over again, especially in, in young sobriety. I still screw up. The only time I found good relief though is when I quit lying to my sponsor or quit telling her after the fact. Do you have a, uh, a good in-person home group down there? I do. We're called the La Cruz Sober Dogs. We take our dogs. Everybody gets to take their dogs. And so we're the sober dogs. Yeah, it's fun. We have uh, in-person meetings. I'm tomorrow night I'm on a Zoom meeting in Sayulita, Mexico. They do in-person and Zoom. So I'll be on their Zoom meeting tomorrow night as their speakers. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, it's there's all kinds of meetings down here. It gets slow in the summer. though. I'm super excited. High season's like four weeks away because we have sometimes two or three people at the meetings and you're just kind of like... <laughs> And they don't do it right here, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> Fun that's fact, okay. I, I, I spent uh, Y2K on the beach in Sayulita. Uh, oh, Mexico. yeah? A lot, of, a lot of fun. It's a lot, It's changed a lot since then. Certainly, it's a lot more touristy and, and things. But back then, it was a little surfing town. There was a lot of Canadians that came down to surf. And the, the bar on the beach there did fireworks. And it was the first time that uh, the people there at Sayulita got to see fireworks, which was Pretty cool. I figured if all the computer, if the world was going to shut down because of Y2K, I might as well be on the beach in Mexico. Oh, heck yeah. How much time do you have, Justin? Uh, For For while I'm there? Uh, Sobriety. I don't. I'm not in sobriety. I thought you were. No, no. My, 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 I guess, connection to the addiction world is my brother is, is a, um, a crystal meth user. He lives on the streets in Spokane and it's okay. It's so there's your motivation. Out, okay. I don't know why I no, thought that. It's not no. like you ever showed up like a weird drunk or anything. I'm just curious. No, no, I, <laughs> I can drink. I can have a couple cocktails or a glass of two of wine and I'm just fine. I, the last time I, I got that, you just don't usually drink that much when I see you, I guess. No, I never get drunk. I, the last time I was drunk was, it was Halloween probably in the late nineties. And I dressed up as as, as uh, the Incredible Hulk for Halloween, had myself all painted green, went to Chilku Charlie's. People kept calling me Shrek back then. That was Shrek <laughs> popular. And I I woke up the next morning, Sunday, I was selling cars at the time and woke up, had to be to work at noon to sell cars. And I woke up drunk, got in the shower drunk. I probably drove to work drunk, uh, but that was the last time I ever got drunk. So now I just a cocktail or two and I'm, 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 I'm out on that. I'm just a social drinker. Oh, Robbie. What is you know? How about how about you, Robbie? How much time do you have? Uh, I have uh, over seven years now. Nice, congratulations. Good yeah. for you. Uh, thank you yeah, so much. And you know, they we were talking in a meeting last night actually about you know uh, who has you know something about who has the most sobriety, whoever woke up first, right? And 
I think that I find that the more sobriety I have, the more rear view mirror time I have. So I think time matters. I think it does matter because we're able to look back. I didn't learn anything doing it. I learned it in hindsight, in sobriety. So most of what I've learned in hindsight, so that's something I would tell somebody new, stick around long enough to have a little bit of rear view mirror time. So you can look back and say, you know what, I made it through that, or that was really painful. I, and, and yet I didn't have to drink, right? Or gosh, I was really offended when she told me to button up my shirt, but guess what? Now I'm a respected member of my community, right? Or when somebody says you treat your kids like shit, right? How dare you? How dare you? And then guess what? Now I don't treat my kids poorly anymore, right? So everything is in hindsight. At the moment, it's sometimes offensive or it's sad or it's scary or it's terrifying. Just grab a hold of somebody and hold on tight. Get your road dogs, build, build your tree, your phone tree. Can't get a hold of your sponsor, call the next person, the next person. Don't give up. Because here's the deal. We may not get another opportunity to come back. And the harsh reality of addiction and alcoholism is we don't all get to live through it. People will die. This is absolutely a grave disease that will kill you. And mind you, it's the only disease that will tell you because it's an obsession of the mind in a sense, right? It's, it, it lives between our ears and our head. It's the only disease that's going to tell you you don't have it. It's okay. And trust me, it wants to kill you, but it'll settle for you being miserable. Yeah, especially with fentanyl these days, that just the number of people that are dying is 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 out, is out of control, and it's, it's our insane. it's the next generation, it's our youth, it's our future. That's a whole nother level. I can't even wrap my mind around like drug addiction and having to get off that. I don't even that that's just I can't even. I've detoxed people that are coming off of heroin, and it's ugly, and I can't even wrap my mind around that. I'm just grateful that I never went there because I'd be dead for sure. Or if I was a rock star, if I could sing and I actually got up to be a rock star, I'd be dead too. For sure dead. Yeah. Or a millionaire. I was granted a gift of, of high finances early on. I would be very dead also. I've got a, a rear view question for you. Uh, you brought up the, the rear view perspective and I would imagine over 16 years of sobriety, you've seen lots of people come and be successful in AA. And I would imagine you've seen some people go back to um, drinking. And what is the difference between the people? Is there a clear difference between the people that make it and the people that, that don't? Yeah, it's the people that know when you talk to them. I know, I know, I know. You're probably right. I know, I know, I know. When Those you are the know, people I would imagine that don't make it. No, because they know too much. And what they're really telling you is, God, they're really telling you to go pound sand. They don't want to hear what you have to say. That's that's my brother. He had everything figured out when he was real young. And look at look at him now. Yeah. I used to sponsor a girl that would say, you're probably right. You're probably right. I'm like, no, I, I in fact am right. Like 100%, absolutely, not a, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm 100% right. You know, she didn't, she relapsed. Eventually, I think she got it. I don't know if she's still sober. You know, what's really hard is when you when you find your road dogs and the people that you get sober with and they become your closest friends and they go back out, right? And they're not alcoholic anymore. All of a sudden, after four years of sobriety, that they only did it for him or they only did it for her, right? That's the other thing. That's the other one, the trifecta, right? You get a job, you get a car, you get a girl or a guy. Bye-bye. 
in, in sobriety, they, they get, they get one of those three things and then they're, they're, when they get all three, when they get all three, they got it. I know, I know, I know. I got it. I got it. I got it. Right. I can handle it now. Huh? I can handle it now. I got this. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to go to that meeting. I mean, you know, Sandy wants to go to the movies or whatever. Right. So that's what happens. You just start backing away. I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm fortunate. I've never had to relapse. Um, I, I'm, but that's a lot of ego, right? Ego can keep you out or it can keep you in. Just depends on it. I had too much pride and, and, and I knew that Jim would take the kids, right? Like I knew he, he would absolutely take those kids if I ever drank again. Yeah, that's pretty big. Uh, it's a pretty big stick to keep you, keep you sober for sure. And you are, uh, I've known you long enough to know that you're an all in or out kind of gal. Um, yeah. 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 I think maybe a lot of people that have addictive personalities, that's the situation they're they're in or they're out. So. And I think what's so hard is I, I took a lot of meetings into jails, right? Jails and institutions. We took meetings in um, to the women's prisons. And a lot of these women, they don't, they don't have, and I'm sure the same is true for the guys, right? I don't know. Um, but they don't have anywhere to go. They don't, they don't have uh, a network of friends usually, right? They've burned every bridge they've ever had with anyone sober in their lives um, or that's healthy or, you know, strong, upstanding. And they got to go back to the, the husband that's, you know, shooting heroin or the, you know, mom that's popping pills every day or the whatever, right? A lot of these people that end up in jail don't, they don't, they don't have any place to go. And so, you know, when we take meetings in, it's, um, we're not supposed to like give out our phone numbers and stuff, but I always gave out my number because call me, call me, make, let me be your first call when you get out, right? I remember going to a jail meeting one time and this girl was just a tyrant. She was awful. Like eh, eh, talking about all the pros of pot and drinking and you don't know. And then eh, eh, eh. I'm like, okay, okay. And finally I cut the meeting short because nobody would have worn an edgewise. I was irritated. I was about ready to come across the table and rip her head off. So I was like, you know what? This is probably bad. So we're just going to call it. There was probably three months later, I walked into that meeting. The first one that I said, oh my God, I'm, this is a bunch of losers, right? And I love that meeting. I went back frequently. And this girl says to me, I owe you an amends. And I said, oh my gosh, who are you? You know? And she goes, you brought a meeting in. And she goes, I don't know if you remember me, but I was pretty difficult. And I'm like, oh yeah, you don't look the same, right? Physically, she had completely changed. She's like, um, maybe it was longer than that because I think she had six months sobriety. She goes, I have six months sobriety. Thank you. Thank you for bringing the meeting in. Chokes me up because you just don't know when you're going to make a connection, usually we don't, right? I mean, we might, out of 20 people that we talk to, we're going to get maybe one, maybe one that's going to live through this thing, right? And uh, when you get to see that, like it happened, it's just the coolest thing in the world. You know, I got one girl who, who um, she, she always said, you know, she came in and she was in these big bunny boots and snow pants and she was missing teeth and she was a mess. And I said, come sit with me in the front get out of this back row. Right. And she remembers that day and she's got like six years now, you know, I didn't really remember it. She reminded me of it. You know, it's just, we get to change lives doing what we do just by showing that it works, you know, and, and the other thing too, and what, you know, you're probably agree with this. I mean, we're an example of, of recovery everywhere we go and we might be the only example that somebody ever sees. So when we're at the grocery store line or we're, you know, flipping people off, driving down the road or whatever the case may be, we have to think about that. Like, what do we want recovery to look like? So it's attractive to other people, right? Because it's attraction rather than promotion. 
And I, I want to make recovery be as attractive as possible. I used to think that meant, because I belonged to a home group that a lot of pretty girls, I used to, I said, oh, we should do a calendar and we could sell them and we could raise money, right? But we don't, that's not what you do, right? And my sponsor laughed at me. She said, just keep coming back. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, you didn't even acknowledge my idea, you know? And it's, it's by showing up and being like a good human being, right? It's about attracting people through like the sparkle in the eye, right? Connection. Like, yeah. Or how about, you know, like when you're, when somebody, when you sponsor somebody, right? How are you? I'm tired. Week two. How are you? I'm tired. Week three. I'm tired. Week four. I'm okay. Week five. I'm good. Right? Like everyone's tired at the beginning, you know? And then all of a sudden they get good. And then all of a sudden I'm great today. Right. And then the sparkle hits and the little shine in the eye and the skip in the step. Right. And that's what it's all about. There's days you'll drag and you'll be tired again. Right. I mean, that's just the nature of life. But sobriety is cool. Super cool. It is cool. Yeah. I love what you said in the beginning. This is where we come to change, not to stay the same. And you've given example after example of that through through here. I I do want to know when's the last time you flipped somebody off driving down the road, though. Uh, it hasn't been that long. I didn't. I didn't. I, th- I thought that that was going to be the answer, Sherry. Yeah, and I actually stuck my hand out the window, full on, rolled it down. I gave one of these the whole way by. Did you I make didn't. amends? No, I didn't. <laughs> he put me off back. And I felt like we were even. Living but I haven't done it. I, living yeah. amends. It wasn't my finer moment, but he was riding right there and he was honking the horn and driving like this and trying to like, he was just really, 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 really an ass. Really an ass. I didn't pause when agitated. (laughs) (laughs) This is a program of progress, not perfection. Yeah. And I I will say, I, I told my sponsor one time, I said, I can't do this anymore. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I can't do it anymore. I said, I will never be perfect. I can never do what you do. I can never show up the way you show up. And I said, and quite frankly, I don't want to. I like the bad little naughty side of Sherry. I do. I like it. And I said, and I don't want to be perfect. I can't. It's too much work. And she said, you're not supposed to be perfect. And she got me this necklace. It said, embrace imperfection. And so that I went and got it tattooed on me, right? Embrace imperfection. It reminds me that I'm going to be me no matter what. This isn't about changing completely who we are, although somebody might tell you different. Sometimes it's just about softening the edges. We don't have to change every aspect of who we are as a human being. Sometimes we just get to get the nail file out and, and just round it out a little bit. And that's okay with me. That's accept- okay with me. Huh? And accept it. Right. That radical acceptance. Well, right. Like I will tell you that one thing, one thing about being in recovery is that, and also Justin, you know, in our line of work, right. It's always about goal setting, do better, be better, grow bigger. Don't let the good be the enemy of great. Don't settle for contentment, rah, rah, rah. Right. And then in, 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 in recovery, it's about growing every day and spirituality and never let up and pray and meditate and read and grow and do right. And sometimes I feel like I'm just never going to be good enough, whether it be in, in spirituality, whether it be in recovery, whether it be in business, that 
that it's just never good enough. Like there's always something more I have to do. And while that's true, there is always something more I have to do. And I learned that, especially in business down here, right? Like, or life, right? Like I, I achieved the dream. Like everything on my dream board was checked off when I moved to Mexico. There was nothing left. Honestly, I don't know what's next for me. I don't, I don't know what my goals are anymore, right? Like I'm trying to redefine all of that. And that's been really frustrating and very scary for me. And it's also put strain on my um, my spirituality, right? Because I, I, I've found that I'm not reliant on that higher power to figure out and ask, what is the direction? Who would you have me be? Like, who am I supposed to be? I have no idea where I'm supposed to go next. I don't know what the, no, I mean, I'm going back into real estate here, but I don't even know how many transactions I want to do. I don't know how much money I want to make. I don't know why I want to make it. I don't know anything right now. So I, I, I am and have been quite lost since I've been here. You know, and it's been a struggle and it's been a challenge. And I, like I said, I've cried a lot and I've been angry a lot here. And um, it just, I kind of turned a corner about a month ago where I just said, you know, um, I need to start focusing on what I can control, right? And I need to start reinvesting myself into my recovery and showing up at a higher level, you know, be the example um, and the rest will follow, right? And then, then start doing silly little things like one, three, fives. And like, just pick a goal, any goal, take a bite of the elephant, right? Like there was a giant, Mexico's an elephant, man. I'm not lying. It's an elephant trying to navigate the bureaucracy and the systems and the potholes. And I mean, all the things, right? It's a, it's a, it's a thing. And so um, what I do know is that if I continue to show up, then it'll all come together. And I just have to be patient because sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly is also something we say in recovery, right? We don't get it all today and we don't always get to know what it's going to be. Um, I was listening to actually the rock and he said something. He's like, I was supposed to be in the NFL. And uh, he said, that was my goal. My goal was always the NFL. And he goes, when I got cut from the team, he's like, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And he says, I'll tell you some of the greatest goals are the goals you don't hit. Right. And uh, this, He's probably real glad he's not in. The, it wasn't in the NFL. He's he's a stud, right? And 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 he gets to tell people that though, right? Like sometimes our goal we don't hit it, we don't find it, but that doesn't mean that there's not another dream or another achievement around the corner, you know. So, um, but because I'm in recovery, I have that opportunity. I have the opportunity to continue to dream and think about it and ponder and write and and um, try to figure out what's next for Sherry. You know, I don't know, but I'm not scared. I mean, I had moments, don't get me wrong, that I've been scared, but like I said, I've, I've, I've been more reliant upon, you know, I'm here, I'm fine. You know, I'm fortunate enough, I got a little bit of money in the bank. I don't have to stress today, but I can't sit on my laurels either, right? Whether that be in recovery or in life, I have to keep taking action, right? That's what we all have to do. Absolutely. What, uh, what has been like the biggest thing that you've learned in recovery that has helped you in your career or in the business world? Consistency, commitment, commitment, saying I'm going to do something and do it. That's a big one. Um, a lot of that was just like, uh, it's not like uh, getting wrapped on the knuckle with the, with the ruler, right? Like, you, where were you? You said you were going to be at the meeting last night. Well, I had something come up. Is that more important than your sobriety? Well, no. Well, then why were you there? Right? Accountability, that strong accountability, right? And I think that just knowing that I have to show up and I have to be there and it just created these habits, right? You caught, when I first got sober, 
It was, you call me every day. And I don't know the time. It was probably six or 6.30 AM every day. You get 15 minutes of my time. Don't waste it. Right. And if I didn't call, you know, what's going on? You know, and it was that accountability. I didn't, I was like, I didn't have, you know, and that was not comfortable because I did what I wanted to do, period. I didn't answer to you or anybody else for that matter. Thank you very much. You know, you're not my mother and I don't listen to her either. You know what I mean? I just take from her, you know, but, um, but yeah, it was accountability and consistency. Keep repeating the same actions, you know, over and over and over. It's kind of like, uh, now I can relate it to like atomic habits, right? Like you just, the book, you just keep doing these little bite-sized things every single day. And all of a sudden one day you've got a week of sobriety, you've got a month, you've got a year. Right. And, uh, and, and I, couldn't have done that without consistency. And then I was able to roll that into my business world, right? You have an appointment, you keep it. You know, you say you're going to teach a class, you do that. Whatever it was, right? You can, you know, you don't be late for appointments, right? Because if you're late for appointments, guess who's not going to hire you? You know, and it was just that, just, yeah, I would say consistency and commitment. Awesome. You keep it. You talked about uh, Atomic Habits. What else are you reading? Um... I am reading, um, I listen to books. So I'm not a huge, huge reader. Um, I don't, I get bored with business books and things like that. So I have this app called Headway, if you've ever heard of that. Um, It's really cool. It does all the synopsis of of all the books and it breaks them down into like 15 minutes and it gives you all the highlights from each chapter and reads through them. It's phenomenal. If you're not a huge reader, I'm not. Um, And right now I have a book that's sitting out on my desk that I'm, kind of this looking that says let that shit go and then um i'm currently listening to one that i can't remember it's called um i don't know it's something about on audible it's something about see i don't don't really retain very well but i'm gonna tell you what it is it is uh overthinking because i'm an overthinker and it talks about how we can't sleep at night right and the brain goes and it doesn't shut off and all the things um, I'm always wondering, I like to know the answer. I want to know what's happening. I will panic. Did I do the right thing? Did I not do the right thing? Should I said something different? I think a lot of that, honestly, I blame on recovery and business because I'm constantly questioning, did I do enough? Right. Um, so there's a balance in there too, right? We have to be able to say, okay, you know what? I did, I did the best I could do today and I can change it or make it different tomorrow. But right now you need to go to bed, you know? So overthinking, um, there's a book called The Untethered Soul, which I like. Um, Eckhart Tolle, uh, The Power of Now. Yeah. I'm on that every once in a while. Like, I, I'm not a very present person. I have a tendency to like, Karen. so I, I'm trying to, you know, get focused in. Also, um, I'm going to plan to, and I'm getting ready to reread The uh, Miracle Morning for Real Estate Agents. Yeah. Which is a good one. Milk and morning period's good, but this one's kind of obviously specific to the industry. And that's a great little read. Easy read, creating habits, you know. So mostly I listen, but I love that headway app. Super great. It's like 50 bucks a year. You can crank through a book a day. And if you decide you really like it, you can go download the whole version, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. I haven't found a need to go buy it. I just like the little quick reads, but. Then I can talk smart in a crowd and I don't have to spend four days, six days, eight days reading a book. Audible's great too, though. I definitely. It is. Yeah, yeah. 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 
I can't figure out how to cancel it. So I keep getting credits. So I have like, I don't even know, like 60 books in there. I'm like, stop. And I, I've tried to cancel it like five times. I was like, whatever. The untethered soul. Is that Michael Singer? It is. All right. I just had downloaded yesterday. I, um, he's got a book called the surrender experiment. Shane and I are running a half marathon in the, uh, in the morning. And I'm going to listen to this while, while we run. Oh, nice. I'm excited. I've read that. I've read the untethered soul. It was a long, long time ago. I think there's a, a sequel to that book as well. I don't know. I, th- I think there is. I can't answer that. Have you um, read who moved my cheese? Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Yeah. That's we a good to, one, right? We used to make everybody that started work at first rate, read that who moved my cheese. And then, um, there was another one about uh, excellent customer service. I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but yeah, Who Moved My Cheese is a great book, especially with the market and where we're at, where you know, rates have gone from 2% to 7% and it's turned to the mortgage oh, yeah. upside down as well as the real estate business. So that's it, one of the things it, I love about here. Everyone's like, well, they, we don't do that here. I'm like, because you can't, because you haven't tried. Ah, look at yeah. you. I haven't seen one open house sign here either. Cracks me up. I'm like, mm, note to self, go buy 10 open house signs. Be different out there, huh? Well, it's, you might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Different isn't always better, but better is always different. So give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. It certainly works everywhere in America. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, without, you know, I, you know, sometimes I think about if I were to grab a drink, like what would that look like? And my, my, uh, one of my sponsors always, I've had like three sponsors and, um, she said, see that through. What is, don't, don't think, don't see, think what the first drink looks like. What does the last drink look like? Mm. Right. Process that through. Yeah. A drink sounds great. You and I both know you're not capable of having a drink. No. Has there been any thoughts with just the challenges and moving to Mexico and, and crying every day for four months? Is, was there ever a thought of, you know, nope. no, good for you. No, it's, it's uh, what I have learned over the course of 16 years. And I think I learned it pretty early on that there is nothing, nothing that a drink will make better. Nothing. I will have a great night. I promise you, as will many other people. We were going to have, we're going to have some fun hundred percent. It will be a party to remember. And then I have to wake up. Yeah, you got to pay for it in the morning. And then I got to look back on yesterday, today. And did I waste it for bad or good? And I'm just not willing to give another day. I gave way too many. I gave way too many. What is it that drives the not willingness, the unwillingness to give another day? We get it one time. You know, you lose somebody, you hear somebody, you watch somebody, you sit there and listen to somebody complain all the time and you look around right? And I can be that person too. I can be the person all the time. But the reality of it is, man, I'm 53 years old. I'm on the other side, right? I'm on the other side. I don't have 53 years left in me. I don't. And let's face it, the last 20 are going to probably kind of be rough, right? I mean, or 10 or whatever. So how do I want to spend, let's say the next maybe 30 years of my life? 20, 25 years of my life. How do I want to spend them? I don't know how much time I have where my legs still work and I can still see and hear and touch and taste. I don't, I've been given a gift, you know, I've been given a gift. We all, we all want to walk. We all have a gift right every day. And it's like, I don't know. It scares me to think 
like when I was going through my rough patch and I was complaining and bitching and really just being really very negative. And I, I was talking to my sponsor and I said, if I died today, I would die miserable. Like who wants to die miserable? I'm like, all I'm thinking of is this ooze and ick and poor me bitching about the lady who didn't fix my pool properly. And the housekeeper broke something. I mean, really, Sherry, really? You know what I mean? It's like, and these are my complaints. And and I got sick of hearing my own voice. And the reality of it is, I'm going to be miserable over this stuff. When there's people out there literally working for a buck an hour hauling bricks, and I'm not exaggerating, and they're singing while they work. They're happy. They're joking. They're laughing. They're cutting up. They're having a great day. They're collecting a paycheck. And I'm over here complaining because the paint on the bottom of my pool isn't the color it's supposed to be. Now, obviously, I want to correct it. I paid a lot of money for it. But the point is, I don't need to dwell on it and sit there, right? And, you know, you don't let people walk all over you either, right? But I don't know. I mean, I like I said, I've had moments in sobriety where I've just been miserable. And I, I just came out of that again. And maybe five times in 16 years where I've kind of been like I've been. And eventually it's just, it's too painful to think about what if I died tomorrow and I died miserable? Ooh, can you imagine with the life that we have that we get to embrace and live and the things we get to do? I just watched a turtle the other day give birth to these eggs on the beach, bury it up, turn around and swim off. I'm like, okay, number one, not good parenting. Number two, <laughs> Like what an what an experience, right? I don't know. It's just life is good. Life is great. Even, life somebody is, did I, say the other day that I would trade my worst day of sobriety for my best day of drinking, and I was like, uh, I think that that shouldn't be a thing because that's no way. Mm -mm. I've thing. had some shitty days in sobriety and some really good days drinking, so don't give me the option to trade them. Please don't, don't even throw that on the table. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I think life is whatever you make it and what's good is always available, but so is, so is what's, what's wrong. And so it's just wherever you choose to put yeah. your energy and focus. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Way to crush it. What do we know? Uh, no doubt. What? Go ahead, Robbie. What were you saying? Yeah. Oh, just saying way to crush it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's fun. I get excited. I forget sometimes, you know, when you just live every day, every day, every day, you forget how exciting recovery is. You know, when you can start talking about it, it's like, oh, you know. It's, fun. Yeah, it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. And totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. because here's the truth is you and I, I mean you've heard this you know sobriety is not for people who need it or people who want it what's it for it's not for people who need it it's for people who want it or yep. do it something i don't know but it's you know you can want it all you want <laughs> my sponsor used to tell me sherry you can pray for a hot dog sit in a closet she goes but if you don't get off your ass and go make it you're not going to eat it <laughs> right faith without works is dead right yes it is Yes, it is. So. 
Well, Terry, I appreciate you being on here today. I appreciate your honesty and your candor. I appreciate you on short notice. I think it was Tuesday that I reached out to you and you quickly agreed to a, a Friday meeting. And I hope I get to give you a hug when I'm in Mexico. You will. You're not far. I don't know where you're staying, so it depends. Yeah, I, I'll text you. I've got the name of the, the place that we're going to be. Um, yeah, let me know. It's in Punta, Punta Mita. Punta Mita. But there's Punta different Mita. sections of Punta Mita. Uh, okay. Some are a little harder to get into than others. Yeah, I'll definitely text you the uh, the spot where we're at. And we're going to uh, nail Shana down today on, well, I think she's coming, but we need to get a ticket and uh, make that happen. So. All right. Awesome. Any parting words for our, our, our listeners here? You know, I would just say that it's not going to be always easy. And suck it up. Like grow up, suck it up, quit bitching and complaining and change your life. Yeah. You know, you want it to get easy, then do the hard work now. It's like Dave Ramsey, right? If you want to be a millionaire, live like a pauper today. That's right. Jim Rohn. Eat like a king today, eat like a pauper or whatever he says. I don't know. I don't really follow him. I've always been kind of a spender myself, but bottom line is suck it up today so you can have a better life tomorrow. Quit bitching and complaining. Nobody really cares sorry and uh go help somebody else and go be of service and get out of your own get out of your own way you know yep the late great the late great jim rome says don't don't wish it were easier wish you were better yes that is so good yeah and and grant cardone always says right you're uh you're um you will grow a direct correlation into the willing uh, the uh, amount you're willing to be uncomfortable or something like that, right? Yeah. Growth will be uncomfortable, growth, uncomfortable, growth, right? Yeah. All good stuff. Awesome. They say that stuff like it when they know what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you.